0: Welcome to the Strength Coach Experience podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Joe Lego. And here we, and here we go. Go, go, go. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Strength Coach Experience, episode number 58. I uh, hope everybody's enjoying themselves uh, down here in Texas, and it's actually snowing outside, which is a little ironic, uh, and the way that people react to snow down here is a little crazy. We have a quarter of an inch, uh, and you would have thought the world was ending yesterday, but again, that's kind of how people uh, you know, react to things when you don't really see snow. Uh, today, I want to welcome uh, Chris uh, Fonton author of One Man, Three Hearts, Nine Lives. Chris is also a motivational speaker and he is the executive producer of Starting With The Heart, uh, which is a movie that hopefully will be coming out the end of this year for your viewing. Uh, Chris, so happy to have you on. I know it's been a little while in the making. You know, we kind of started talking around November, but uh, happy we finally get to sit down and have this conversation. And I'm super excited to kind of go over your background, get your story going and just, you know, have a nice conversation.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, Any chance I get to share my story, I'm really grateful for, and it's a pleasure to be meeting you too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, your your story is incredible. Like I said, I've I've followed along. Um, Yeah, why don't we start from kind of the beginning, you know, and 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 share your story with everybody and your experiences.
1: Yes. So I actually fell sick at a very young age. I got sick when I was just six years old. I collapsed at home. After a karate class with a very strange illness, the doctors were very confused by because I was born typically healthy. You know, I had reached all my milestones like any other typical normal child. And out of nowhere, I came down with this sickness when I was six years old. It was determined eventually that I had complete heart block and I was in heart failure. And so I had an emergency pacemaker implanted. Now, originally, doctors believed that I would never live to see my seventh birthday. Um, Thankfully, 32 years later, I am still here, um, still fighting and still thriving. But it has not been without a lot of challenges and obstacles along the way. Um, Over the course of my life, I have survived two heart transplants, a kidney transplant. I've had my gallbladder removed, liver stones, respiratory failure. I am currently trach. on a ventilator that I used to help me with my breathing. And um, at the age of 27, I was finally diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder that is called myofibrillar myopathy. And as it turns out, that was responsible for my initial heart failure when I was six years old. So this disease, it slowly and progressively attacks my muscles over time. And my heart muscle was the first muscle that was affected. And so for the first 20 years, I believed that I just had an isolated heart issue. It wasn't until my late 20s that I started to have weakness in my legs and my diaphragm, which is the muscle that controls your breathing for your lungs, um, that I realized that it was much more serious than I had originally realized. Um, so currently, I am fully wheelchair bound because six years ago, I officially lost my ability to walk. And... Um, pretty much my ability to take care of myself. So I do have a 24 seven live in caregiver that he is literally my hands and my feet. He helps me with everything from showering, going to the bathroom, getting dressed, getting to and from my appointments and all of that. Um, everything that I need to do during the day, he, um, is the person to help me with it. So, um, as I said, it has not been a road without challenge and, uh, obstacles but I'm happy to say that I'm still here and still doing my best to live my life to the fullest.
0: Wow absolutely incredible story and happy you know you were able to to get through all those trials and tribulations but you know as you said it it kind of those things kind of make you uh, you know who you are you know a lot of those those bumps and things like that coming from I was a premature baby born with you know cerebral palsy and and obviously uh, my you know the, the things that me were very early on and in with the struggles, but I do, you know, understand some of those things. But like I said, I think those kind of things, you know, make you who you are and, and it allows you to, you know, do the things that you've done as well, you know, with the movie and, and getting your story out there. And, and of course, motivating others, you know, uh, if anybody out there, you know, I go on Chris's Instagram, which I'll give at the end of the podcast, right. He's always putting up very, very wonderful, inspirational things, right. Always trying to help people, always sending out messages. and And for me, you know, being in the fitness field, right, it always kind of brightens my day. Uh, Chris, have you on there, you know, with your messages and things, and they kind of fit everybody. So I uh, appreciate that. I just have a, a question with, you know, you said you had the uh, first issues with the heart um, around six. How come it took so long for them to diagnose you? Was it because of the the progressiveness of of the um, the issue, or was it just they, they didn't really know at the time? What, what was one of the things that, uh, you know, took so long for them to finally diagnose you?
1: say it's a combination of just lack of information um the condition itself is just so rare that at that time i there was really just no information on it and nobody was looking for that nobody was studying that at that time and also it just wasn't on their radar because it was not something that they were seeing especially in someone so young and so again it was believed that a virus had just attacked my heart, and that I just had some heart issues. Um, and again, because there were no other symptoms to suggest otherwise, until my late twenties, I think that is kind of what had them miss the mark, so to speak.
0: Okay. Uh, did you have any other uh, like adverse effects besides the with the heart tissue uh, from six till you know the late twenties? Was there other things? Kind of that were going on like very progressively, or did it was it mainly with the heart, you know, when you were six and then when you got a little older into your 20s, you started having, you know, more and more issues? It was really
1: just um, isolated to the heart. Any other issues that I had were kind of related to that. Um, For example, my kidney failure was a result of waiting for my second heart transplant. I spent eight months in the intensive care unit, and during that time, my kidneys failed. So I would say until about the age of 26, all of my issues were heart-related and kind of surrounding that. Even the liver stones was a result of one of the side effects as a result of the medications that I take um, for anti-rejection. So all of my issues for that initial time period was based really around the heart. And as you said, it wasn't until I started to experience the weakness in my legs and um, in my diaphragm around the age of 26 that we kind of started to put the pieces together. And that led to my diagnosis.
0: Yeah, incredible stuff. Uh, When you were, you know, growing up and stuff with the, the stuff with, you know, with the heart going on, did you, uh, were you, you know, just doing regular things or were there certain things that you weren't, you know, able to do because of, you know, issues with the heart, you know, before all the other stuff was was happening?
1: The only real limitation that um, doctors had kind of put on me was not to be able to participate in competitive sports. But other than that, I would really say that I did my best to enjoy a you know, normal childhood. I tried to do everything I could um, to keep up with my friends and things. It was difficult not to be able to play sports and kind of be one of the guys, so to speak. Um, but for the most part, my childhood, I would say I, I did everything I could to make the most of it, which I, I feel is a common resonating theme throughout my life, you know, despite you know, all the limitations that get placed on me or the odds. Um, I just, I do my best to still enjoy my life despite.
0: Absolutely. And and I think, you know, anybody out there listening, that's a phenomenal piece of advice. Uh, even if, you know, if there's something you're going through or just, you know, in general, uh, try to do all the things that you want to do, right. Don't really look yes. at it as I can't do this or, you know, I can't do that. I think it's very important, especially, you know, now we kind of go a little bit where I think sometimes people like to complain a little bit about certain things that aren't really issues or, or like to make things bigger. And I think it's, it's important, you know, moving forward for everybody to not only, you know, hear stories like yours, but just remember that, you know, you're, you're put in a certain position. You should be able, you should try to enjoy life to the best of your ability, you know, with what you're able to do, you know, similar to your story, when I was raised and I, I, same thing, you know, I had ailments with the left side of my body. I my parents were, you're gonna play sports, you're gonna, you know, do all the same things. And I, I think, you know, just like you it helped me tremendously because it wasn't that I have this thing that that in my head is is limiting me. Right. It was here's the thing, right? Whether it be a sport or whatever, I'm gonna try to figure it out and do it the way I can do it, but still, you know, participate to the best of you know the ability. And I think, you know, it makes you better at certain things. You know, for me it was not as athletic as everybody else, but I was able to learn the body. And then, you know, the speaking and the the word, you know, putting words together is kind of my bread and butter. And then, you know, with yourself, although you've, you know, lost abilities to do certain things, right? The speaking, book writing, and, and kind of inspiring others with your story. So I think the general, you know, lesson from this is just if you're out there listening, whatever you're going through, right, make the best of it. And you still can do everything that you can and, and really never let anybody tell you you can't do anything or let other people, you know, well, we don't think you're gonna make this because at the end of the day, they're not you, right? And nobody, I don't think anybody really understands the power of a mindset and, and will and, and how important those are, regardless if physical things start to break down or, or other things. That's why, you know, we speak about, you know, mental health a lot too. I think that's why that's one of the most important things because with the mental health, we can push through anything, even if we have physical uh, limitations or injuries or anything like that, but once we lose that, I really think that's where we, we kind of run into our problems. And we, we saw that, you know, in the Olympics with Simone Biles and, and different things of that sort.
1: Wow. Well, yes, absolutely. I'm a big advocate um, for mental health overall. And just as you said, you know, the power of the mind, because life is so much about our perspective. And I say this all the time. It's really, really important, you know, the way that you perceive things and the, just the overall attitude that you have. you know. Um, For me, I have been through so many different trials and tribulations in my life. And at the end of the day, it was my mental outlook that kind of got me through all of those various hurdles. And I feel, yes, my body may be physically weak right now, but just having learned and been through so much, I feel that my mental strength is at an all-time high. And um, at the end of the day, that's something that I'm really, really grateful for.
0: Absolutely. Uh, where does that that come from for you? Was it you know with from how you were raised? Did you really get into you know uh, motivational books, or have you been always a person be, because of you know the stuff that happened at an early age? Has always had a very strong mindset. What do you what do you attribute uh, that type of mindset that you have, which is you know incredible, uh, to?
1: I would say that it's a combination of things. Um, just you know innately, that's who I am. Um, I also do believe that I, you know, was raised with that kind of mindset to never give up and to always push forward. You know, I I remember my parents, they never, ever showed any signs of sadness or, you know, it was almost as if they always believed that things were going to work out. And, you know, that really, really transmitted to me. I never in the hospital saw my parents, you know, um, crying or kind of just like moping around they always had a very strong um and you know resilient attitude despite anything that was going on with me um and also I think it's something that I've developed over time um at the end of the day I'm human and I definitely have days that I feel very hopeless and I I question things and I get down but I also I'm a big believer that we have to um, recognize and process those emotions when they come up. And so when those days come up, I kind of let myself just feel it and go through my own process. And eventually, you know, I make up my mind that I need to pick myself up and get back in there and fight. But ultimately, I think that, you know, over the years, my illness has kind of strengthened me in its own way and humbled me and just made me a better person overall. Um, So I I do think that it's a combination of all of those things put together and a lot of uh, therapy on the side too. I'm a very big advocate for talk therapy. I think that it can be very, very helpful and beneficial to people when they're going through difficult things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. I, I think talking, I mean, that's kind of with the podcast that we're on right now started, not, you know, in that way, but when when COVID first took place, Uh, you know, you know, when you're in the fitness industry or, you know, we were in normal life, I guess you can, you can call it, Uh, you know, you talk to people on a daily basis, right? You got to see people and then all of a sudden we're kind of confined to our houses and, and that's where this kind of came from. You know, mine was a little bit of, I talk to people all the time. I'm a talker, you know, as you can probably tell, but, um, you know, I was always talking to people, you know, at work, I was sharing ideas with other trainers and, you know, going to have coffee with my friends. And then all of a sudden we're stuck. So that's where this came from. I said, Hey, you know what, I'm going to call up, you know, some people I know, and we'll just, you know, record what's going on, right. And have phone conversations. And a few times I was like, wow, you know, this has been phenomenal if this was recorded and, and, you know, along we hold, here we go. And I, I just want to go back. I think that's a phenomenal point, you know, with your parents, not really showing, um, any you know weakness, if you will, right? Even though they were going through it as well, I'm sure they wanted to you know break down and cry, you know, with all those things, but that that kind of, you know, going in there full front and, and having that strong mindset is important. And I think it's important to everybody listening that if you know that somebody's going through something difficult, right, regardless of the outcomes, I think it's important for you to put on that strong face, because it's not just about what you perceive, right, you're, you're showing the other person and not that it's wrong, right, emotions are emotions. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be sad or cry. But certain times, you're actually helping the person more if you can kind of Push those feelings in a little bit because they're like, oh, okay, they're not sad, right? Or they're not taking this as a big deal. So now I have to be stronger because I don't want to let them down because, you know, they're pulling for me in a certain way. So I think the mental stuff, even, you know, if you're not going through it, but if you know somebody or doing the best to help them, I think it's very important to have that, um, you know, that strong mindset. And again, I think it's great that you brought up too when you go through those days, right? When you have those down days or the days where you don't think, you know, things aren't going well. And, and, you know, that mindset starts to slip to be able to get yourself into a place where you can sit down and kind of go through the emotions, right? Process the emotions and kind of feel them. Don't let them take over your life. You know, don't let them last weeks and and months down the street, but being able to understand, okay, I'm having a bad day. This is kind of what's going on today. Why is it happening, right? Why Why am I reacting this way, right? And then a lot of times, you know, by processing those feelings, you're able to kind of get through them as opposed to, I think it's worse if you try to push them away, you know, and then that becomes the six months of you kind of fighting with your mindset and and not letting it take over you, but really allowing yourself to feel it, but then say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get up and and do the things that I was doing, or I'm not going to, you know, feel bad because, you know, I'm going to go towards this this goal here.
1: Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I, there have been, So many times that I felt myself spiraling and losing control, so to speak. And just by catching myself in that moment, and as you said, letting myself process and go through the emotions, I find myself less anxious. I'm able to kind of understand where those feelings are coming from, why they're coming up, and sometimes just taking a breath just pausing and like I said, catching yourself in that moment when you're starting to lose control and just taking a pause, realizing that you've survived 100% of the things that have already happened to you. And as long as you're still here and alive and breathing, you have the power to turn things around and make things better. And I believe it's so important to just kind of catch yourself when you're Spiraling down the rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that third point we talked about too is is having people to talk to. Right? I think it's very, very important yeah. to not only have one person to talk to, but you know, I've done a little bit over the years too. Is certain people you talk to about certain things, right? And you've kind yes. of develop a support group, if you will, and say, okay, if I'm going through work issues. This person i can I can talk to right, because they 've been through the same thing, or if you 're going through health issues and things like that, here 's the other person right or relationship issues. I think that 's very important as well that you, you know you talked about is having those kind of support systems set up in order to okay, today I feel you know this is happening, I can talk to this person right because I also think too it it kind of helps with the looking at it from a different lens if you have multiple people because not saying it 's bad to have one support. But you should try to have more than one because if you have one person that you're kind of going through everything with, it might become a little biased or they might not be able to offer you the best advice because they're used to dealing with all the things instead of this is the one thing that I know that I can help them with and then somebody else can deal with the other things on the other side. So I think, you know, you talking about talking it out. I I think that's the best Thing right anybody dealing with that stuff listening to this or whatever you know make sure that you you talk to people right holding things in is is not really going to help because you're only seeing it through one light you're seeing it through your lens and you need somebody to either you know play devil's advocate sometimes or somebody to agree but I think it's it's a great piece of advice that Chris talked about is you know make sure you have people to talk about but also talking things out I think is one of the best things to help you get through problems whichever they are.
1: Yes. And sometimes it comes up that people will say, well, what happens if I don't have a support system? What happens if I don't have anyone to talk to? And I always say, listen, if you don't have the outlet of a physical person to talk to, then maybe you want to start journaling. Maybe, you know, poetry is your thing, singing, playing an instrument, but it's important to have some outlet for your emotions. And, you know, Nowadays with the internet, you can even take advantage of going on forums. You know, even if you're talking to total strangers, at least if you are purging yourself of those feelings and those emotions, I can't tell you how many times that I found myself talking to a complete stranger. And it was like a conversation or an ear that I never knew I needed, you know, and I end up feeling so much better just after, getting those things off of my chest. So, you know, I'm very well aware that some people, you know, they can't turn to their family and friends. Um, and so, like I said, maybe, you know, your outlet is writing. Maybe your outlet is singing or whatever it is. As long as you have some way, I'm kind of processing those important, those emotions. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely, too. Yeah, those are things, too. And And I think journaling is is great, right? The other thing that journaling allows you to do is kind of go back and read about your feelings, right? Oh, look, this same thing happened six months ago. How did I feel, right? How did I, you know, you know, on, on page whatever, it says that I, I you know, I, I was ready to give up, if you will. And then here I am, right? As you said before, I've been through 100% of the things that, uh, or I've survived 100% of the things that I've been through, right? So I think that's a another thing. And I think, you know, I, I wanted to ask a question too, purpose, right? Talk about playing an instrument or doing some things Uh, just for you in general for, you know, mental capacity as well. How is it, how much has it helped? I mean, I know it's helped tremendously, but just from your experience, when you started doing the the speaking right and started, you know, with writing the book and, and now producing the movie how much has that made an impact on kind of you know your mental in terms of going through things because you know everybody purpose is is a big thing right if you have something that we're compassionate about and something that we want to do it it usually helps you kind of get through those things so I definitely wanted to touch on the purpose so from your perspective you know how much has that changed kind of your mental as well you know already having a strong mindset when you started doing the the motivational messaging the the speaking uh you know the book and, and now doing the movie.
1: Well, I really couldn't agree more. I think that purpose is something that we all strive for as human beings. And for me, I had a very difficult time when it came down to losing my independence. And as my body started to break down, I found myself thinking and wondering about the future and what my life would be like and what my purpose was going to be essentially. And so when I started to Write my book and started blogging and getting into the motivational speaking. And even now with the social media, it really has done a tremendous amount for my mental attitude um, because it makes me feel as though everything that I've been through was not in vain. And for me, just um, personally, being able to help people or touch lives has always been something that has brought me joy and happiness. And um, so to receive messages from people telling me how I've impacted them or changed their perspective or people literally telling me that I have saved their life, um, for me, it makes everything that I've been through more than worth it. And so I find that I am in the best headspace space when I am busy, when I'm working on things, when I... I have projects that I have going, goals that I'm working towards. I always say one of the scariest places that we can be is when we're left alone with our own thoughts. And so I try my best to dive headfirst into whatever it is that I'm working on. And I really, really find that um, in the last three to four years, especially now working on the documentary and um, the second book, I, I find... I'm just so fulfilled right now and it gives me a drive to keep on going. And as you had mentioned earlier, it's like this sense of responsibility now that I I don't want to let people down. I feel like there are people out there that are counting on me to keep on going. They're, they're looking to me for strength. They're, they're looking to my social media to see, wow, what's he going to post today and you know, to keep them going. And so I, uh, I find that having all of this going for me is a big piece of why i I'm able to keep on fighting and keep on pushing and just never ever give up,
0: yeah, absolutely never ever give up and and I think that's amazing, right you have that purpose right when you when you find that you you're carrying your own load, if you will, right, and you don't really want to lose that, I think that's another thing that that helps people, and I think that is you know going back to the mental stuff, I think that's one of the problems that uh is not addressed as much, right? It's it's about talking things out and, and, and making sure you have a support system. If you don't, journaling, you know, finding something to do, but I still think there is more that should be done in terms of finding your purpose. And I think for for high level athletes, right? We, I brought up Simone, um, you know, earlier in the thing, I think for them as well, you know, if you're a high level athlete and that's all you do, having an outlet, right? Having something else that's aside from that, because I think what you see with those high level sports stars is, there have a purpose but this has been their entire purpose their entire lives and when they don't you know when they lose or they don't you know do a, a mover or, or something to the best of their ability or something happens you kind of see all that go down but it goes down like in instantly right it's not a gradual thing it's not like you know you, you lose a business that you were supported and that that kind of takes some time or, or you know illness and things like that with the sports stars I mean I, I notice it 100% you know being a person who coaches and things like that but with, with Simone Biles, just to bring her up because, you know, she was in the, the media. But I remember in the Olympic trials, she messed up on, I think, a vault and they stuck a camera in her face. And they literally just watched her go through the stages of breaking down. And I'm like, do you remember back in the 90s when they used to cry and they used to push the microphone or the camera somewhere else? And now they just shove it in their face. And I'm like, this is how this is going to be now because she's not going to make it like you could see it on her face a month before the Olympics was happening that something was going to happen so i also think it's you know finding a you know not only a purpose but having something that's kind of like a you know a pure joy thing and not something that has pressure or if your purpose continually puts pressure on you to always make sure you have something else because i think a lot of it is people don't have their purpose right they don't have anything that they're passionate about they might you know, go to work, they don't like their job and those things start to spiral. And then, you know, when you talk about when getting, you know, to those low levels, there's nothing to really lift you out of that. If you don't find something else to kind of spark, spark that life, if you will.
1: Yes. No, that's so true because when purpose turns to pressure, that can be a very dangerous space. And I, I found myself in that home place, you know, as I said, yes, I do feel that I have a certain responsibility. I feel like a lot of people depend on me, but I can't put that to the point that I end up jeopardizing myself. Mm-hmm. And so when I start going through those periods where I'm feeling emotional or I don't feel like posting or, you know, I I feel too much pressure, I allow myself to remove myself from those situations and take a time out. And you know, I've always kind of told myself that I can never let my purpose get the best of me. I always have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself first. And that's a very, very important point that you bring up, because a lot of people fall to that pressure. And in their minds, they, they're really convinced that if they don't follow through, or that if they disappoint people, that that's the end all be all. And, you know, you really have to take care of yourself, ultimately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think you you see that even, you know, just bringing up now with the NFL, you know, you have a person like Antonio Brown, right, who's who's obviously going through mental issues, in my opinion, as a, you know, follower of the NFL, he has been the same since he got hit in the head a number of years ago. But I think you you can compare that to look at the difference between him kind of hanging it up, right, for the second time. And then look at Tom Brady. And the reason I bring that up is because it seems that for Antonio Brown, football is all he has. And, and him trying to kind of push through those mental injuries and things like that. And eventually it exploded, you know, in the playoffs or the last week of the season. I can't remember. But then you have somebody like Tom Brady, right? And not that they're the same in terms of winning. But Tom Brady's able to kind of put it away and walk away because he's involved in the crypto business, right? He's involved in other things. And I think you see that a little bit more now with athletes is the ones that are okay with kind of hanging up the the cleats or whatever and not playing anymore, you find that they have other ventures that they're kind of, you know, going off into, right? I don't, you know, Kobe Bryant's one of my favorites, and it's so sad, I can't believe it's been two years that he's gone, but when he retired, to bring him up as an example, he took the same mindset, and he went, and now, you know, he was with the making films and, and, and all those things and helping the community and all those things. So for him, too, it wasn't the same as you know, for somebody else, you know, trying to kind of stay in there. And, and you know, you see these sports stars, they shouldn't be on the field anymore, or they're, they don't have it anymore, and they're still going because they haven't picked up another purpose to take away that mental edge that they've used for so long in sports.
1: Yes, yes. And,
0: you know, and through life, we grow,
1: we evolve. And so sometimes your your purpose changes and you have different things that you want to accomplish different goals that you want to achieve and i think that's just an important part of the human experience you know it's uh being able to go through different phases where we we have different passions different things that we focus on and i think i I completely agree that once you're stuck and you aren't able to evolve, that's kind of when you run into issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to and ask you, so did you see yourself writing books and producing movies? Was that always been a goal of yours or did that really come out of the inspiration kind of that you were, that you found out you were bringing through other people? Was that something that kind of came out of nowhere or have you always been interested in writing and, and things like this? Is this an extension of, of you or did it come more from, you know, understanding that you're, you know, inspiration and in, in all the numbers of people that you've been helping uh, just through your messages and things like that?
1: Well, I was always very, uh, a very creative uh, person growing up. And you know, my family always described me as somebody with a wild imagination. But ironically, I really hated writing. Uh, In high school and college, I I hated writing papers and and things like that, but um, I would say that eventually when I, uh, to talk about pressure, started to write without the pressure of, let's say, an assignment that was due and I could just write what I wanted to and write at my own pace and the things that I found joy in writing about, um, that's kind of when I realized just how much I enjoyed it. And then the film stuff really did not come along until the last year or so. Um, I self-published my book six years ago, and I had really been focusing on that for the most part. And uh, I kind of realized over the years that not a lot of people still read. Uh, A lot of people have been asking me for an audio book. I'm aware that people's attention span also is... (laughs) And not as long it's as it about 12 sec- was, I
0: think the average is about twelve
1: seconds, as it right now. Yeah, no, no, seriously. I I mean when somebody sends me a video, I find myself clicking to see how long it is first. And I'm like, uh I don't know if I'm gonna if it's anything above five minutes. I'm like, I, I'll check back on this later. Um so yeah, I I really wanted to do a visual representation of my story and so um I came across a production company last spring and we've been working on um trying to develop a full-length feature now for the last 10 months or so um so it's been an exciting journey i never realized just how much work goes into filmmaking um so it's definitely been very challenging at times but also very exciting and um again it's now a new venue for me to share my story and a, a new outlet and I feel like a whole new audience that I kind of open up myself to so I, I'm, I'm excited to see where the whole thing goes.
0: Yeah absolutely and, and again like everything else you know you, you think oh yeah I can you know do this and then there's the other work but I think it's important yes. you know kind of jump in with both feet even though you're not 100% know where because you'll you know you'll learn those things i always want you know i always like to do that too. anybody i have on uh you know that writes a book or publishes a book you know just to get their process because i i know you know for myself you know it's been something i've wanted to do for a little while and i'm kind of in the making but i always like to hear how is your how is your process how did you start kind of you know did you say i'm gonna write a book one day and you started jotting ideas down or did it did it flow i mean Totally agree with you too. I, I was afraid because in English I got like a zero and I could care less <laughs> about writing about Macbeth and everything else. Nothing against Shakespeare, but it was never <laughs> anything that I enjoyed. And then, you know, I, I've, I've thought about doing that. I've talked to certain people about doing it, but how was your process? Because I know it's, you know, important to find a certain way, but also I think it's a great point that you bring up that you don't have to be an English major at Harvard to, to write a book, right? It's really all about ability to kind of tell a story and put your ideas together on paper
1: yes and okay so i would say there are two pieces of advice that i really 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 stuck to um one thing my mom has always told me is the hardest part in anything is Mm starting. just start and so That is something that has been so true for me. Uh, I'll put off starting a project, put put it off. But once I get started, it's like there's no stopping me. And that was very much the same with my writing. Once I started the writing process, it was like I took off. Um, The second piece of advice that I received was to just start writing from anywhere. You know, don't worry about the structure, the chapters, just wherever your mind takes you in that moment when you start writing just put it all just like word vomit you know get it all out on paper you can worry about the editing and structure and fixing it all up later you know and so that's what I did one night I just opened up my laptop and I just the first thing that I thought about the first experience that came to mind started writing and I remember looking at it And it was, I felt like I had been writing for hours, right? And I looked back and it's just one paragraph. And I felt so overwhelmed and the whole thing felt so daunting. Like, how am I ever going to make this into an entire book? The whole thing just seemed so overwhelming again. And um, it's funny because looking back now, I remember that feeling and then, just remember slowly chipping away at it and you know little by little and watching it come together even after I had written the first draft I felt so accomplished and I sent it over to my editor and I remember she sent it back to me and the entire thing was marked up all these changing and once again I had felt defeated I'm like oh I felt like I was starting right back at scratch you know right back at zero I'm like oh it's going to take me so long to make all these changes. And I didn't touch it for about three months, I think, after that, because I felt so, you know, just like, oh, this is never going to get done. But again, once I got back into it and started doing the editing little by little, it started to come together. The whole process altogether took me about three and a half years. Um, but there, <laughs> the feeling that I received when um, that initial copy came in the mail mm-hmm. was... Something that made it all worth it, and you know even to this day it 's just a piece that i 'm very, very proud of because it 's my life and I've, I've not only am I able to touch and help all these people around the world, but you know, like we talked about before, for me, it was such a therapeutic process to get all my emotions and feelings out onto the paper, and rereading my story like you pointed out, I was able to make connections and see my growth and see things from you know wow look at the way that I viewed things when I was 16 and versus now so it really the whole process was very very cathartic and beautiful
0: yeah absolutely I mean I've I've gotten similar advice somebody told me to turn the screen off on your laptop and just type right Don't look at the words don't look at the you know how many paragraphs you had right again I I uh, just so everybody knows out there listening, the hardest part for me for the podcast is writing the three sentence description that I put on Apple Podcasts when it comes out. Everything else is a breeze. Wow. I can talk for seven hours, but I literally sit in an, at a desk for probably 40 minutes on average, typing in three sentences to try to describe everything that I've just talked about on a, uh, wow. On a podcast. Wow. Wow yeah it's it's like i said it's the hardest thing if i you know everybody's like oh how's the i said the podcast is beautiful i just wish i had if i had a person that could just write the descriptions we'd be we'd be all set because that's the hardest thing i think for me it's the my brain runs faster than i can put things on paper it's kind of like you know, you ever, you know, you're in, you know, you talk to it in high school or something, you talk to a girl or whatever, and you have all this stuff to say, right? And then you try to text message it and get everything out there. And then you read it and you're like, well, this is stupid. This doesn't even cover an eighth of how I'm feeling, you know, and then we, uh, you know, you kind of, you know, and then you delete it, but it's kind of like that, right? Writing. And then you're, you're not able to kind of get everything you feel. But I also think, you know, just to go back I think that's a great piece of advice for anybody. I mean, you know, write down your story, right? Write down start to finish and just look at how you went through things, right? And you can, yes. you'll understand right away. I mean, for me, it was, you know, doing the podcast and sharing my story through, you know, through talking. I did a half hour podcast and I'm talking and I'm like listening to it. And I'm like, well, I've been through, you know, X, Y, and Z and, and all these things. And I think. That could be a great therapeutic thing for anybody out there, even if you're not going to publish it, because just like you said, right, being able to read all the things that you went through, right? And I'm sure you do it to this day, right? You have a day that you're down. You go back to chapter one and two, when you read about the things that happened when you were younger and, and all those things. And I think those experiences again, are, are what helps you and especially when there were your own experiences, right? Not even talking about watching other people's experiences and getting that, um, you know, the feeling of, of you know, drive from somebody else's story, but when you can read your own life story and be like, I, I'm this person, right, in this movie or you know, whatever, and I got through all this stuff. So today I'm mad because it's snowing out, or you know, something else is going on, and I, I think it just again, you talked about perception, right? It's and, you know, life is all about how we perceive it, but I also think it's important to be able to go back and and say, okay well, at this time, I perceive everything was done and that was 20 years ago. And, and then here we are today with maybe, you know, more things that I have to deal with and I'm, I'm still here, right? Or back then, I thought that this was the end all be all, you know, you look at it when you were five years old, if you lost your favorite action figure, you know, the whole world ended, right? And then now, you know, 30 years old, 40 years old, whatever it's, if I can't pay for, you know, my house and the heating bill, so things start to change. So I think that's, you know, great. What we talked about is that, you know watching yourself grow and, and we always grow into your um you know into our purpose and I think it's great too that we need to change your goals as we get older, right? You know, if you wanna okay first it's make money buy a house or whatever and then it's start a business or maybe it's you know getting into shape but I think it's always important to kind of move the needle, right? And you talked about writing you know writing the book and how long it took. And then now we're, we're putting it, you know, on a screen and, and everybody's going to get to see that. And, and you know, you're going to get to push, uh, you get to speak more, right, and, and motivate others. And I think, you know, that all, you know, to say that all grew from you just kind of jotting some sentences down on a laptop, you know, over what, six, seven years ago now.
1: Yes, yes. And I think you mentioned a very, very important piece. Um, one of the things that I've learned that I've had to do is redefine my happiness. The things that made me happy, uh, you know, in my teens versus my 20s versus now, that has changed. And um, sometimes you have to learn to roll with the punches. And I've learned that, okay, I am in a situation where I may be limited, but that doesn't mean that. I can't be happy. That doesn't mean that I can't live my life to the fullest and enjoy things. It just may be altered and may be different from what I had originally pictured in my mind, but um, it doesn't mean that it's not there.
0: Absolutely. And I also think too, it's, you know, we we live in a place now where if somebody's kind of other perception of you can't do certain things because of the hand you've been dealt is, is wrong, because I think One of the things that people tend to miss is that you can do anything in the world in your own way, right? The the rules that that so-called that we're, you know, bought about is that you can't do certain things because it's somebody else's opinion, right? Steve Jobs says it best where the world was created by people who are no smarter than you are, you know, in terms of you can literally do anything you want. You can literally figure out a way to do almost anything, and I think it's those Kind of limiters on either side that maybe you know society has placed oh i can't do these things and i can't do that and i think it's very important you know you talked about changing your happiness maybe something that you never thought you would do or something you're not even interested in uh it can now become the center of your purpose right so i think there's you know never discount what you can do right i mean for me personally right i have a business if you would ask me five years ago but i'm like i don't know anything about a business i'm not most unorganized person on the planet. How do you run a business? And now these things happen, right? We talked about the book to the movie. So I just think you know the takeaway from that is just very important where, you know, analyzing what you want to do and and really never discounting anything. Because I feel like you can do anything and, and most people, you know, you're you said you're in the best mental place, you know, you've been and it's because you're, you know, putting this movie together and you're traveling around speaking to people, but That came from a book that you were, you know, unsure about writing in the beginning. So I think it's extremely important just for everybody listening is that don't put anything at a discount, right? If somebody offers to, for you to start a new venture, even if it's not what you're used to doing or or something else. And I also think, you know, going outside of your comfort zone, right? There's a lot of studies that when you move, right? I just moved to Texas. The reason why I did that is when we change places or do different purposes, we are able to, you know, the brain kind of opens up and opens up more neural pathways and it makes you mentally stronger. So I think that is something to constantly harp on, right? If you're not happy at a certain place and you have the abilities to move, maybe take a vacation or, or take the job offer. Or, or if you've never looked at the stock market, but you've been, been, you know, entrenched in finances and you've been a, so like a labor person your whole life, maybe look into those things. But I think it's just very important to, Never discount, you know, the, the, the certain things that come along in life because you don't know really what's going to happen.
1: I absolutely agree. And it's kind of what you had said before. I never imagined myself being an author, a filmmaker, and here I am, you know. And another thing that you had mentioned, too, is when you're sometimes in these, you know, dark places or you can't see beyond in the future, when I was going through my second heart transplant, that was such a dark period for me, and that was 17 years ago. And had I just thrown in the towel and given up, I think about all the things, the experiences, good, bad, and indifferent, that I've been through in the last 17 years. And you know, I would have missed out on all of that if I had just decided all of a sudden that life was not worth living anymore. And so yeah, sometimes it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you really just never know the incredible things that could be waiting for you just around the corner from, you know, whatever it is that you're experiencing and going through. And you just, you never know your life can make a complete 180 and you just don't know the, the different things that you can accomplish, the things that you can experience and, level of growth that you can have as a person i i am not even the same person that i was five months ago let alone five years ago you know i i feel like i've gone through so many different changes and that's the beauty of life ultimately is you know going through that ride
0: oh absolutely you know and i I want to get into the the fitness journey but before i want to bring up something you said. Uh, before we start recording, is that you know you had thought that you were you know kind of done making friends, right? And I think that's a, a huge point because that happens as well, right? As you get older, you're like, okay, I have this this core group of friends. They all understand me. They all know what I've been through. And then uh, you know, so I'm done, right? I don't really need any more close friends, not in a negative way. But then you start doing things like this, and you start to realize that there's so many other people that we can, you know, relate to, or maybe people that you wouldn't have maybe related to at a younger age. So I think that, again, is is another way to grow, too, and, and never kind of, you know, put off the abilities to meet people, right? Same thing with me. You know, I, I have a large group of friends. I've, I've known them forever. But then, you know, you when you realize that, I think that, I was talking to somebody else about this the other day, I think you can come into common ground with anybody that you meet, right? I feel like with everybody in the entire world, whether... Politics or whatever's going on, I feel like there is a way or there is a spot in every person where you can come into a common ground. Now, whether you want to proclaim, you know, you want to push that into a friendship or whether you want to end it after the one conversation, I truly believe that there is a common ground between every person that lives on the planet. And if you can find that, there is a way to open and talk to people. And then if you decide from a perspective that you want to be friends or you have enough things in common. But again, I think that's another thing, too. People cut off their their social circles. Or I think, you know, one of the things with, you know, pushing your goals or doing things that you Um, that you wouldn't have thought you wanted to do, right? I'm sure you have new friends now that are producers, right? And authors and these people that you would have never kind of went into that circle if it wasn't for this new venture, right? And I find the same thing, podcast hosts and different coaches and people that I would have never spoke to. And I think that's another important aspect. Not only do we want to find new purposes and new goals, but we also want to try to surround ourselves too with new social circles because sometimes too you'll find people you know if everybody in your you know your old group of friends you can't do those things right that's not what you do or you've never done that thing before and then you meet a new group of people They're like oh yeah absolutely this is the easiest thing in the world you're going to be phenomenal at it and I think that helps kind of uh, push the goal down the runway if you will
1: yeah for sure and you know like you said about the support thing having different outlets and different people that serve different purposes. You know, I I really do believe that everybody that comes into your life comes into your life for a reason. And some people it's for just a season, but I, I definitely agree that, you know, you can take away something positive from every interaction that you, you have. And, you know, looking at Chris Kiebit, you know, who put us in touch uh, when I initially met him, it was just a regular tuesday night that i was going in for physical therapy and that was not even on my radar i was going there you know to try and find a solution for this new diagnosis that i had and out of it i i have gained a lifelong friend that uh you know has been there for me in so many more ways than just through physical therapy and it's it's a beautiful thing and that was well into my 30s (laughs) so um you know, it's it's true. You you just never know in life um, the different people that'll come in and out, and you know the way that they may affect you or what purpose. But you have to be looking out for that. And like you said, I think paying attention. Um, and when you are, then you can realize there's a benefit to every relationship that you come in contact with.
0: Absolutely, and I just point out, Chris. I mean, everybody knows Chris has been on the. The episode, episode four, and he was also on yes. the, the roundtable discussion that we put out about uh, probably two months ago. And, and again, I always love to take these opportunities to touch on networking, uh, because if it wasn't for, you know, Chris Keevin, me and, me and Chris wouldn't have been on this uh, episode to be able to share this information and all these amazing things. So I always like to bring up, you, you know, don't underestimate the power of of networking. And I do not like social media. I've said that a thousand times, but I do think the one really is that well just certain things with the likes and all the other things that it brings however the networking and getting to know people I think is an awesome aspect in terms of LinkedIn and Instagram no I not that I despise all but I don't like certain things how you know you know I, I mean I've gotten quoted I'm sure you do sometimes where you're looking at your phone non-stop and you put a post up and you're like oh my god I'm you know, I'm 14-year-old now, you know, because I'm staring at my <laughs> phone. Um, but, but in terms of the networking, like I said, I always love to do that because, you know, 90% of the people that I've had on my, on my it comes from networking, right? And just not being yeah. afraid to ask. Or, again, like somebody like Chris, who's an amazing, you know, amazing human being, uh, you know, putting us together. And, and, you know, I'm touching on that. What are some of the things that, you know, you did with Chris, you know, and, and how did you start kind of working out? And I think the other thing is important, too. How did you know that he was going to be somebody that you would work with for, you know, a while? And, and, and that, you know, knowing that you guys would kind of be friends for a lifetime, literally off the bat.
1: Well, funnily enough, at that time, uh, my physical therapy was becoming an expense. And there were not many places locally that were taking my insurance. And so actually a friend of mine had recommended the uh the place that Chris was working at. And so it was about a 45 minute drive, but you know, I was willing to go because I, I needed the therapy. And at that time I was still walking. Um, I was definitely having significant weakness in my legs. I was already tricked. Um, And so I was still pretty active. I just, it took a lot of effort. And uh, I went in, it was a evening session. And when I went in, it's, it's crazy because just from that initial interaction, Chris had such a, like an upbeat and motivating um, persona. He did not look at me and kind of, you know, you can sense if somebody Mm -hmm. is nervous or we we talked about that before, you know, how my parents kind of put on that brave face. It's the same with just other people, just as a therapist, Mm -hmm. he inspired positivity and like, He had such a go-getter attitude and it was like, I could see his brain trying to figure out different things that we could work on. Um, He was invested from that first, first interaction that we had and not to mention his personality, you know, he had me cracking up within minutes. Uh, We were actually just talking about that the other night. Like, you know, he put me on the treadmill and was immediately busting my chops and, you know, and it was just a refreshing refreshing um thing in my position because especially um being how rare my condition is I was always met with a lot of hesitancy and people just naturally being afraid or being very very cautious with me he was not afraid to push me and uh you know we would do a lot of like sit to stands in in the chair just to get my legs you know um stronger like I said, the treadmill, you know, lightweight and resistance training, stretching, and, you know, eventually my body was not able to handle it. But for the duration of the time that I was able to do those exercises, you know, Chris really, really was a big motivating factor and just kind of kept me going. And again, not just physically, but really mentally, and I think that was like the biggest component of it all.
0: Absolutely, and for anybody that knows Chris out there, Chris is just just motivating. You know, if you every time you see him, every time I see him, he just changes the entire aspect of everywhere you yes. I mean, even before the the podcast, you know, he's setting everything up and he's yelling and being Chris. You know, <laughs> and it's, that's how he is. Anybody interested in you know in meeting him? Right, he's at uh, Evolve in Westchester. Just give him a A quick shout out, right, for anybody interested in going in there. Him and Mike uh, do phenomenal things. But, yeah, I mean, again, I just to take that point, that's why I always talk about, you know, when you're a strength coach, when you're in the fitness industry, right, anybody listening, it's like putting on a a Broadway show, right? I've said it before where you're responsible for energy, right? There's 100% energy. And if the person you're working with doesn't comes in with 20, you have to make up the other 80%, right? And you have to make them feel like, this you want this is the only place that you would want to be here right and I also want to talk about perception right you said when he came with you you could tell he didn't look at you any differently right that is extremely important fear is never good in our industry of fitness strength conditioning right you have to that's why education and experience is the biggest thing because you should be able to confidently work with any person and not worry about what's gonna happen, right? Because if you have the education and the abilities, as Chris does, right, you can take somebody who, you know, has some ailments going on and we're able to help them. If you come in right and he was timid and he told you to sit on the ground and don't I mean you would have been like, well I'm gonna leave, right? I think it's very important, right? And and again that would have lasted, you know an hour. And I so I think it's just good to, to point out that when you are a strength coach, a fitness person, you're going to work with everybody and you have to exude confidence, but you also have to have that confidence backed up by education. And I also think, and I've said it before, if you don't like to talk to people, if you're not personable, maybe training is not the best thing because you have to provide this energy we all have it i have it as well it's starting to come out a little bit as i sit here i want to jump in <laughs> the air but that's where it comes from you have to provide the energy and chris is just like that chris can change the energy of i mean chris could probably melt the block of ice if you put it in the middle yeah. of the room and you walked in right um, you know, great person, love him to death. But again, it's just a time to understand the mental aspect is so much bigger than the exercises, right? You didn't do anything crazy, right? You weren't hanging from the no. ceiling, but it was just his energy. And then identifying that the things he did for you were, were helping, right? You felt better when you went in there. And again, it's even if it's a mental thing, right? You know, you have days you go in there and you're like, listen, I'm, I'm tired today. I'm not feeling it, had a rough day, you know, rough night, maybe didn't sleep. He could still provide you with it's all right we're going to sure we're going to do something right and he would kind of change that mindset and you would go you go home you know happier and and more lifted even if you didn't do a ton of things in the weight room and I think just that's an important thing that what we do as strength coaches and as trainers is not all about exercise selection right you could care less about the exercise selection but it's was it helping me and then more importantly the mental kind of the the mental uh, set that I was at when I left compared to when I came in, right? We always should want everybody to come in and come or leave better than they come in, regardless of the exercises. And I think that is still something that is maybe missing in the training aspect a little bit because everybody thinks that screaming and yelling is, is high energy and not screaming and yelling is low energy. When reality it's being able to relate to the person walking in the door, being able to see, kind of what their day's been going on by looking at their face and being able to switch that energy and say, okay, they're only bringing 10 today. I'm going to make up for the other 90. And by the time they leave full life and and kind of ready to attack things, regardless if it's in the evening.
1: Yes, because there were definitely dates that I would go in there and I was not feeling it, or I just did not want to be there. And, you know, he would kind of read that in me and, as you said, slowly kind of shift that energy where I then found myself almost kind of wanting to impress him or kind of wanting to push myself a little bit more because I saw how much he believed in me or the fact that he was kind of not pushing so hard, you know, he would say, all right, why don't we start slow? And then I would start to, again, get into, you know, a groove and want to push myself. So, I uh, listen, I... I have lived my whole life based on the fact that it is so much about your mental attitude, your mental outlook. And the the unfortunate thing is that so many people count themselves out, you know, and don't realize just how strong they are or what they're capable of. And if you have the right person to help you tap into that or to guide you or to kind of nurture that in you and, and work with you. The possibilities are really, really endless. And I I genuinely mean that as somebody that has gone through so many different hardships and physical challenges. And, you know, my medical doctors have counted me out so many times over over the course of my life. I have been told so many times that, you know, I wasn't going to make it or, you know, the title of my book was born from a doctor asking me, he looked at me one day and said, listen, I don't know how you do it. What are you, a cat with nine lives? And that just always stuck with me because people could not believe that I was continuously overcoming all of these circumstances. And that's why I say again and again and again that our mind and our mental outlook, it's the biggest, biggest asset that we have. And if you're able to harness that and gain control of it and really, really direct that energy in the right way, nothing can stop you.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. The mental, mentally, if you can be strong mentally or you can develop ways to kind of shift that mindset into overdrive or have people there's, there's nothing else, right? The body can fully yes. you know kind of break down physically, but if that mental's there, you can, you know, you can get through everything. And I I think that that is, you know, the biggest thing, right? Touching on the mental stuff. Mentoring is most important. And if you're a coach or you're somebody on the other side, you have to have the mindset to not only help yourself, but also be able to turn that mindset on it and develop techniques to help other people. Because the fitness industry, the coaching industry, or whether motivational speaking, inspiration, it is the ability to take somebody somebody's mindset and flip it and be able to to identify when it might not be the best mental day and I think that is something that they don't write books about right we write a lot of books on developing mental toughness on athletes or whatever where I think there should be more of if you want to be in the industry or you want to be a coach you have to learn mental you have to dive deep into you have to be able to read people right and and I think that's a a wonderful skill that i think everybody should you know understand because like you said it can help everything and and again i, I think just bringing up what the doctors say how are you still here right you should have been here anymore you sh- you can't do this and you can't do that right and and i feel like in society it's just everybody trying to tell you why you can't do anything when instead it should be we should try to tell everybody why you can do these things right there's yes. 120 reasons why you shouldn't what's the one or the half a reason that you can do these things, right? And I think we would all be better off if so. You sat somebody down and said, "I want to be an artist." Okay, great. Write down all the reasons why you should be an artist, right? And then don't worry about the reasons why you shouldn't, and then go that way instead of what happens. And, and not to anybody's fault, but it's a lot of sitting in your room by yourself and thinking about all the reasons why you can't do, you know, all you know these things. And a lot of it, like I said, a lot of it is is, is simple stuff too. I think that's where the the tragical stuff comes from is it's not becoming a professional athlete, right? It's simple things like writing books or not simple, but you know what I mean? Writing a book or, or gaining a following or, or maybe, you know, talking to some people as an inspiration or, you know, losing weight or, or becoming a trainer or a teacher or, or whatever it may be. It's very attainable things that people, I feel, talk themselves out of. And it's not like, you know, I want to be the next Picasso or, you know, I want to be like, you know, um, Tony Robbins, right? They're, they're not even crazy goals. It's little things like, I'm going to plant a garden today. And then people kind of talk themselves out of it.
1: Yes, yes. No, it's true. And, you know, again, sometimes we live inside of our own head. And, mm. you know, I really do believe that sometimes we can be our own biggest roadblock and you just need to be able to get out of your own way. And part of that is, again, society placing those restrictions on you and you just automatically count yourself out but you know a lot of that is our own fears and you know our own doubts too and if you're able to break out of that and see beyond that and just realize that sometimes you if you put in the work and you're willing to do whatever it takes you can achieve so much more than you believe that you're capable of you know I Again, if I had told myself, oh, listen, there's no way that I could ever write a book and stop there, you know, there's so much that I would have not achieved and missed out on just because of my own personal fears and doubts. Um, But instead, I I decided to run with it and it's been a great experience so far. So I think um, we have to encourage more of, People believing themselves and taking chances, taking risks. You know, it's and even if you fail, that's okay too. At least you would have known that you made the attempt and you tried and uh, you gave it your all. That's what really, really
0: counts. Absolutely, yep. try for everything, and if you fail, it's it's not even bad if you fail, right? Because then we get we get experience from it, and then we can kind of reamp and, and go back into it. Uh, just a, exactly. a final point too. I just want to talk about a little bit of, you know, going from the book to the, uh, you know, the, the producing the movie. And you said there's a lot of different challenges and things like that. So I'd really love to get your perspective uh, just for the listeners out there of, of what it's like to, you know, how it happened and, and how you went from writing to the next step producing the movie. Because I feel like that's very interesting and not something that's really not talked about a lot. Right. It's really uh, somebody just kind of has a movie idea and then poof. Right. Instead of the, the grassroots. way. Right? Yes, yes. And after
1: writing my story and you know self-publishing, I'm always, like I had said, trying to challenge myself. And so, you know, it had been five years and I felt that I had kind of capped on uh, my exposure. And again, I was trying to think of socially the best way to um, take things to the next level. And so I had the idea of originally wanting to just produce a video And so it was a good family friend that put us in touch with this production company and we've kind of uh, brainstormed and came up with the idea of producing a short uh, originally, which I now have a 23 minute documentary short that we've submitted to a number of film festivals. We've already been accepted by three, um, one down in Tampa, which we attended back in December, Uh, Oregon, and also in Culver City, California. Um, So the short has actually been doing very, very well. Um, Again, there was a lot of research going back to old, you know, data, uh, you know, getting pictures together, getting video footage together, coming up with uh, the story that we wanted to tell, because now to try and cram my entire life story into a 23 minute short was quite challenging, but you know uh, my production company really, really came through with a creative way. I really couldn't be happier with the way that they produced and told my story in such a short time. Um, But now we would like to take things to the next level because there's so much more to tell, you know, In in the short, it's just my mom and I, Uh, We would like to include more family members, you know, like my, my dad, my siblings, we would like to interview doctors that have kind of been on the road with us nurses, you know, friends, uh, family members that have been part of an integral part of like the whole process and, you know, my being alive today. And so, um, you know, that, does not come without funding. And so we have started a GoFundMe, which so far, you know, family, friends, and my other supportive supporters have been incredibly generous and donate, donating towards, um, the full length feature. Um, we, uh, every fifth of the month we do a big fundraiser and ask everybody to donate $5 in honor of the, you know, um, the film, because I'm not sure if, uh, you're aware of this, but the 5th is a very important number for me because every single one of my transplants took place on the 5th of the month. Wow! So both of my hearts and my kidney um, all took place on the 5th of the month. My first heart transplant was March 5th of 2000. My second heart transplant was November 5th of 2004. And the kidney was December 5th of 2006. So the 5th of the month is like a very special... Uh, time for me. So that is the connection with why we ask people to donate $5 on the 5th. And then coming up on February 14th is Organ Donation Day. So that is a day that is also very important. We try to raise awareness for the importance of organ donation and just, you know, really encourage people to become organ donors. uh, Because, you know, it's something that I think that unless you know about it you're not really it's not on your your radar and it's something that really can save you could save up to eight lives you know being an organ donor so it's just something that i'm um, i'm very passionate in terms of raising awareness for so yes the 14th of february is another big day that we try to you know promote and raise awareness for donation as well as the film
0: absolutely wow well, we should have waited two more days
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah, all right. So, uh, Chris, it's, it's been phenomenal uh, speaking to you. Where is, uh, I just want to make sure, uh, say the, you know, Instagram, where are ways that people can you know reach out to you, uh, ask about your story, get more, uh, you know, uh, inspiration. Like I said, for everybody out there, make sure you follow him because he puts out videos. I'm telling you, Chris, they, they help me out as well. I, I love listening to you talk and, and they do help my day. I always make sure. And I don't skip, don't worry, even if they're a minute and a half, I listen to the whole thing. I don't cut it off after 30
1: seconds. (laughs) Thank you. I really, I appreciate that. Um, The biggest way that you could support me is um, by purchasing my book, One Man, Three Hearts, Nine Lives. Um, It's available on Amazon and Kindle. If you would like personalized signed copies, I do have that as well as merchandise available on my website, oneman3hearts.com. And also right now, I'm really trying to produce my full length documentary features. So by visiting the or also on my Instagram, one man, three hearts in my bio is the link for the go me. And also you can follow me on TikTok, one man, three hearts, all the social media platforms. I am one man, three hearts. So um, yeah, those are the best ways. I appreciate all the support. Listen, even if you can't support financially just by sharing my story with a friend, um, you know sharing my social media links it, it really really means a lot to me and I appreciate all the love and support i I really as I said earlier, I feel that this gives me meaning and purpose and i just i love I love being able to share my story and i'm so grateful to you, Joe, for this opportunity it really it means a lot to me and um I'm so touched to be able to have connected with you and uh, to be here it's It's been awesome.
0: Oh well, absolutely Chris, and likewise, so happy to have you on and just you know talk to you and, and have such an amazing conversation. Uh, I will put uh, the Instagram uh, when I put the post. Uh, out of the podcast probably next week, I'll connect your Instagram. So there'll be the bio. The other thing I wanted to ask too, do you have a website or anything where people can visit if they're interested in becoming an o- organ donor? Uh, is there a way for them to sign up or is there a website that, you know, if somebody is interested in doing that? Cause I know it, it does help.
1: Yes. Well, on my website, uh, one man, three hearts.com. There is actually a section at the top that says apply to be an organ donor. And so you can go there and uh, apply
0: Okay, perfect. So anybody out there listening, like I said, if you need any more information, I will put all those things in the post as well as I always say it, but, uh, you know, reach out to me as well. DM if you want to talk to Chris, like I said, I could put you in contact with him, you know, through DM and and the wonders of social media. Uh, But just before we leave, Chris, thank you so much for for coming on. I, I truly enjoyed it truly inspired, like I said, by your story, and I'm I'm happy I got to talk to you about it firsthand, uh, and I wish you nothing but the best. I'll definitely go on that GoFundMe page and and help you, but I I can't wait for the future, and I I can't wait to see the full-length feature when the uh, movie hopefully comes out next year.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it, and honestly, like I said, the pleasure is all mine. It's an honor, and uh, this was awesome. I really enjoyed our time together, so thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Such a blast.